What letter are we on as far as for attributes of God? We have a few to go yet. I think we're on V. What are some attributes of God that start with V? Victory. Valiant. Vibrant. Vast. Valuable. Vindicator. What does that mean? What does vindicator mean? One who frees us. Jesus freed us from our sin. Clears us of the blame. Well, this is fun for me to just go through these different letters of the alphabet and look at the attributes associated with each letter. Turn your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 3. I have a question for you. So we begin the message. What was the most important thing or one of the important things that you tried to communicate to someone this week? And how much time did you take trying to communicate that? There were a few anniversaries this week I'm guessing there were some attempts to communicate on those days. Think about how you communicate and think about the importance of your communication. Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you ever not figured out why you were misunderstood? I think in our lives, we always need to ask, have I communicated well? Have I communicated clearly what was on my mind to communicate? And did it matter what I communicated? I'm entitled the message this morning, Valuing Our Communications, and I'd like to use Colossians chapter 3 as kind of a roadmap for building godly community through effective communication. Because we're people, we need reminders. We need reminders of what we can do to communicate effectively and properly. I'm going to start at chapter 3, Colossians 3, and read from 8 to 17. But now, he also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and to put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, 
barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I believe the Bible is the best book to look to for how to improve our communication skills. And it also has the message that merits us using our best communication skills. So when I ask the question, what's the greatest thing you tried to communicate to someone with this week? Maybe it was something of love to a spouse or to children, or maybe it was trying to extend an invitation to someone to come to God. Very important thing that we communicate to a lost world. There are things in, in our lives that trip up good communication, and it isn't just our words. It's our tone of voice. It is our body language. It is our nonverbal communication. Our words can be drowned out by mere body language or nonverbal communication. We can say we love someone, but all of our body language says, I don't really care about you. We can say the right words, but the inflection is wrong, and we come up with a different communication than what we wanted to communicate. Jesus shared his thoughts and his feelings through words, through gestures, and through touch, actually. Touch is a powerful way to communicate. Jesus often touched people when he healed them. And in our efforts to communicate, it may not always be appropriate to touch, but let's remember that that says something, and let's remember that our, our, our look at a person, our mannerism, does communicate something about the message or the person. Colossians chapter 3, I want to pick out some parts of good communication. It's not really an expository of this whole text, but some points that would be part of good communication. I note Colossians 3, 9 and 10 and verse 15, where it speaks really about our heart about a change from an old heart to a new heart, from an old life to a new life, 
Letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. So I have as a part of good communication, a heart that is right with God. And when I struggle with good communication, I have to ask myself the question, have I been faithful in keeping my heart right with God? Or is that fundamentally at the core of my problem in communicating effectively, in sharing with people what I was feeling or what I wanted to give them as instruction or what was important? Says we have put on the new man as Christians. We have been renewed. And we have been renewed after the image of him that created us. Sin brought us from that image. And now we have dealt with our sin. We've taken it to the cross, put it under the blood. And now we are being renewed in our thoughts about God and about people. And our motives are pure and our intent is pure. And we're open. We're honest. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus spoke some words here about a heart right with God or a heart that is involved in communicating. In Matthew chapter 12, I'm just going to read one verse. There's a group of verses, but in verse 35 it says, A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And then it goes on and says the opposite is true, dealing with the one that is evil. Beautiful things can be conveyed by a person that is at peace with God and peace with themselves. And so maybe, just maybe, my communication this week wasn't as effective as it should have been or as I wanted it to be because maybe there was something in my life that was not clear between God or something that I was still weighed down about my sin. Sometimes our communication is confusing. Sometimes it is offensive because my heart's condition is not right at the time. If there's communication problems, it'd be a place to start for us. Jesus said that good treasure must be in the heart. Out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And he was an example by going to the mountain to pray, going to the wilderness to pray, of keeping his heart right with God. Psalm 19 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. So he's again linking words and our heart. What is the good treasure of your heart, of my heart? We can't think of ugly things in our heart without some time expressing that. We can't meditate on ugly things without some time that coming out and being expressed. Do we value our communications enough to keep check on our hearts? I don't know how many communications you would say you've had this week. I don't know how many texts you've done. I don't know how many emails you've, you've sent. I don't know how many, how many conversations you've had with people. But in those communications, there's been something conveyed about you, and you've learned something about people 
Are they important? Is what we conveyed this week important? Or did not that communication really matter? Second part of communication is a heart of love. Here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. A heart of love. Not only is my heart right with God, but I desire to express love to humanity. We have in 12 to 14 about having on, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. That calls for love, doesn't it? And if you have a quarrel with somebody, even as Christ forgave, so also do ye. And above all these things put on love. That's the bond. Part of good communication is expressing love to someone. Can you tell whether a person is loving or not when you communicate with them? Do they show a care to you? A loving person cares. A loving person expresses Something body language-wise, not only with the words and the inflection of their voice, but expresses something of love. Turn with me to John chapter 11, where I see Jesus in an emotional uh, state of grief over Lazarus' death. And here he was called to come and to heal Lazarus, and he didn't go right away. But he communicated something through that grief after Lazarus died. He showed that he cared about the people that were grieving. He communicated love and care to Mary and Martha and those that were there. Hmm, I don't know how much I should read here, but Jesus said, you know, let's, let's start with verse 17. Then Jesus, when he came, he found that he, Lazarus, had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Well, that was a wonderful thing to say. It was the best words that she could hear, but I don't know if she really understood what he was saying. He cared. I don't know if she really understood that this was going to happen, but he gave her words, and he showed his sympathy. He showed his care. And as he goes on through this, it even comes to the point in verse 35 where it says, Jesus wept about this. Shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, Behold, how he loved him. Jesus went there at a time of great grief. He waited to go until the body had been in the grave four days. And then he went and he delivered him from the grave, raised him back to life. But he communicated a heart of love. Indifference can be a hindrance in my communication and your communication. 
Indifferent people provide little encouragement. Indifferent people, well, they don't have much sympathy or understanding. Does that matter? Well, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who represent God to the world, it does matter. Everything matters about how we communicate the message if someone is going to be open to it. Jesus knew how to communicate in love, even when there was hard sayings. A third part of good communication that I see here is a heart that was free from expressions of anger. In Colossians 3, it gives us that list right in verse 8 there of things that we need to be free from. Now, Jesus was angry when he went in through the money changers and their animals out of the temple. But he didn't make a habit of showing expressions of anger. We call his expression of anger there righteous indignation. And we could talk about that, but we'll just say he was not commonly expressing the emotion of anger over the situation. At least when he was, it was within a boundary. It was not an anger that was just off the wall. Here it is. Take it like a give it. Let the pieces fall wherever they want to fall. It doesn't work in a marriage. and doesn't work in a church. and doesn't work in leading people to the Lord. To remind myself of that, I made myself a list of about 15 things that I want to remember when I take phone calls. Because I don't have the advantage of body language. I don't have the advantage of eye contact. They have to pick up on the phone line whether I care about them or not. And I don't want to be at a place where I'm angry at them, even though they differ significantly with our position as Christians. They rail against the Bible. They rail against God. I don't want to be at the point where I'm an arguer. And when I talk about an argument, I'm talking about a sharp disagreement with contention, a tone of voice that's quarreling, and a noisy, angry discussion is just wrangling back and forth. I don't want to go there, and I believe the scripture teaches us not to go there. We can state our point, and the truth can stand on its own two feet. Two plus two is four, whether I scream it or whether I just say two plus two is four. Truth will stand on its own two feet. Now, it helps to put some expression at times, but the anger, the sharp contention is a problem. And the Bible tells us to shun profane and vain babblings and to, you know, make sure that we avoid these pointless discussions of this, this anger and quarrels that come. You want to hear some of the things that I jotted down for myself a year or two ago? I said, you know, when I get finished with this call, I want to know whether I would be embarrassed to invite them to Lake Mennonite Church. Now, if I've screamed at them and I've got angry at them, it'd be a little hard for me to go and invite them to Lake Mennonite Church and to face them face-to-face. So that's one of the questions that I ask. 
Second question is, would I talk to my wife or any of you as church members in this tone of voice? It keeps me in check a little bit. You are my brothers and sisters. You are my family in Christ. I don't want to be a person who is speaking to someone I can't see, someone I maybe never meet. I don't want to speak to them out of anger or wrath or malice. I want to be a person that puts off that argumentative spirit. I ask the question sometimes, am I speaking more loudly than I need to speak? Volume says something. Volume changes things. A man was speaking his point loudly to a fellow church member one day. And the fellow church member looked at him and he says, You know what? Boiling water softens a potato, but boiling water also hardens an egg. And he said, I got the point. It was the wrong time to be boisterously stating my point of view and rather should have been saying it in a more mild and gentle. That's all the man said to him was, boiling water softens a potato, but it also hardens an egg. The idea that there's danger in that tone of voice that was being used. And we know the Bible says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. And so we have that instruction Another question I ask myself is, am I willing to let anger enter from my side of the conversation? And I had one this week where two young fellows were really giving me a hard time. And the one said to me, he said, after they were giving me a hard time for a while, the one said, just kind of chuckled, and he says, how can you take this from us? Well, I don't know how to take it from them, except by the grace of God. Communication. Was there communication? Yeah, there was something. And unbelievers have enough angry Christians at them that tell them things that are judgmental without getting to the core of who they are that they have an opinion about Christians. I ask myself the question, am I really hearing the caller's point of view and evaluating their frame of reference. They weren't raised like I was. Am I really listening to that? Does the caller feel that they are heard? Communication. With the brotherhood, can we say the same thing? Does my brother really feel that I heard him? Does my wife, spouse feel that they were heard? Or do they walk away saying, nothing's going to change? Communication skills. Put off anger, wrath, malice. Put off these things and put on this care for the person, this love, this kindness, this humbleness that says, I want to hear what you're saying. I ask myself sometimes the question, 
Who needs to win this conversation? Do I need to win this conversation when a caller is angry? I, I don't need to win an argument. And so on. So I, I made a list. And I have at times had to say, I'm sorry. I told a man it was ludicrous for him to believe in evolution. And he took great offense to that. We'd had a nice long conversation. But when I said the word ludicrous, he shot through the roof. And I immediately had to say, I am sorry. That was the wrong response. I want to value you and your view. You have the right to your view. I'm just sharing with you why I believe there's a God and why I believe he created the world. So I believe a part of our good communication is to have a heart that's free from expressions of anger. Guard against that boiling speech. We value how we communicate. So we give some thought to what we say and how we say it. Did your parents ever tell you, why don't you ask you, why don't you think before you speak? Did anybody ever tell you that? Why don't you think before you speak? If we value our relationships with others, we'll give some forethought. Part of good communication that's not mentioned here in Colossians 3 that I can see, but the idea of nonverbal communication. Jesus communicated with mud and spittle to heal a blind man. What did that visual do? Jesus took bread and the cup for the communion. It communicated something. It was a remembrance, but... It was a visual. Jesus gave illustrations. He gave parables. What happens when somebody communicates you with the wink of the eye? What about if somebody has facial expressions that are, well, just enduring the conversation? What about if somebody's standing there just Arms folded. Okay, I'm listening to you. What are we communicating? There's a time for all that, but there's a time when we say, well, maybe I'm communicating something I don't want to communicate. Maybe I'm communicating I don't really care. Jesus communicated with nonverbal things, and he used visuals to communicate. People read our body language. When I get up to preach, do I convey, well, I have to preach this morning? Or do I get to preach this morning? Do you know? When we have the opportunity to serve someone, are we doing this just out of obligation? Or do we have the privilege of serving this person? We're communicating something. We all have first impressions of people, and they do bear some weight. Sometimes that first impression changes, but it does bear some weight. Do 
do we value our communications? Did we have something important to share this week? If we did, did we take care to effectively communicate it? Or do we just haphazardly try to communicate it? The fifth part of good communication is asking questions. I have a list of a hundred questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels. There may be more. Jesus asked people questions for a reason. We communicate interest by asking people questions. How was your week? Are you healthy today? Is there anything I could pray for you about? What does that communicate? You know people and I know people that they never ask you anything about yourself. They always say something about themselves. And that's the easiest thing to do. We just talk about ourselves. I'm guilty. What does it communicate? Jesus asked questions. What did he mean when he asked the disciples questions? When he asked the Pharisees questions? He had questions that were meant to be answered. Some of them obvious yes or no answers. But there was times that he asked them questions to think about, to think harder about. We ask someone, how's their spiritual life going? It's more than a yes or no question. There's times yes or no is fine, but there's different kinds of questions that Jesus asks. Jesus knew everything, so he knew what question to ask. He knew what the answer was going to be. He was, in, he was encouraging people to think about his message when he asked questions he, he had questions about life and questions about, you know, their, their condition. He was awakening people's conscience by some of his questions. He directed the conversation by, by asking questions. We can do the same to better communicate. We can ask people questions so that we really know where they're at. And we can communicate our truth in a better way. It's interesting to try to teach somebody about a vehicle who has no mechanical knowledge. Right, Brother Marvin? Can be frustrating, but yet, okay, what do they know about this vehicle and what don't they? They can ask the question, do you know what the tire is? Oh, yeah. Do you know that the oil needs to be changed every so often? Uh, you, you, you help them by understanding where they're at. You communicate, the oil really needs to be changed. This is not a car that goes 80,000 miles without an oil change. We ask the unbeliever, do you know Jesus? What would hinder you from becoming a Christian? And then we can communicate truth to them because we understand where they're at, their starting point. 
A sixth point of good communication is listening well. Turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, the first 11 verses are about the adulterous woman. What was Jesus listening for as he wrote in the dirt? This was not a big sermon. He communicated something by writing in the dirt, and he was waiting for something. Jesus went out onto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him and sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Do we know what happened after that? Nobody accused her. They all quietly walked off the scene. Was he listening for a response? Was he taking attention to what their conscience might be saying at that time? I think he was. He was seeking to communicate effectively. Do we listen well? Do you put away your phone when somebody's talking? Maybe in the workplace we understand we have to take this phone call, but when you're in a serious conversation with somebody, is it okay that the phone is left in the pocket? I took someone visiting with me one time. We were visiting an older couple. This person wanted to know a little bit how to do some visiting, so he went with me. Partway through the visit, in the living room, he pulled out his phone and was communicating on his phone. The two older people we were visiting just kind of looked at him. They communicated something. Take strict attention to listen well. The biggest communication problem isn't that I don't listen, or you don't listen, but that you try to formulate your answer to their question before they get finished. And so we then end up with responding in a way that doesn't have all their conversation in the mix. Have we really heard? And I think of Peter, when Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter, oh, no way, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, he hadn't listened to why Jesus was going to wash people's feet. Instead, he responded like, no way, you're not going to. He should have listened. 
He should have given strict attention to what Jesus was doing. A part of good communication is listening. A good listener is somebody that looks you in the eye. Is somebody that reads your facial expressions, listens to the tone of your voice, and when there's hurt there, they say, this is, this is hard for you, isn't it? Maybe a good listener needs to summarize what we've just said so that we know we've communicated clearly. If the communication is important, if it's valuable, they need to hear. So it was my wife's and my anniversary this week. It was Milton Ardella's anniversary this week. I don't know what Milt did. I want to talk to him after service here. But for me, it was important to say, I continue to love you as my wife. It is important that we go on knowing God has led us together. I didn't say, well, I told you I love you on the day of our wedding, and I don't need to tell you again. No, we need to keep communicating that we love each other. We care about each other. We're in it together. Have I settled for less than the best communication at times? Yes, I'm sure I have. And we probably all have. And in a world that's fast-paced, we have ways of communicating that sometimes is less than the best. And what that does is that poor communication allows us to be misunderstood. It brings division within the body of Christ. It brings division within families. I'm going to do a ranking of ways of communication that I'm aware of. And I'm going to put them in order of importance. First, live face-to-face -face communication. I guess the second one that I'm aware of would be audio-visual communication, where you see the other person on your paraphernalia, whatever it is. That's maybe second, but that moves out of the visual. And so now body language is not a part of the conversation after that. And if communication is more than words, somehow I have to make up that difference. Somehow we have to. Thirdly, I would rank phone conversation as being next. Fourth, maybe you have a voice note that you can, I haven't used that, but I hear people talk about leaving a voice message. We have on our phone, our landline phone, we can have voice message. That's nice. Then maybe a handwritten letter would be the next down. Email would be next, and text would be last. Not saying it's wrong, but I'd never asked 
my wife to marry me, I would have never asked her to marry me by a text. Would you? It's crazy what people ask people on a text. When there could be misunderstanding. Email and text are the two means that people misunderstand each other the most of that that I've given you. The body language isn't there. The inflection of the voice isn't there. If I have something important to tell someone, I have to ask, how important is it? And then decide which of these is the best way to communicate with them. I have a little pet peeve. Some of you know it already. When I get a call for weekly revival meetings, some people text me. Would you come to our church for weekly revival meetings? And I text them back if, or call them back and say, please give me a call. I text them back and say, please give me a call. I don't want to work out the details by means of a text. I want to make sure it's clear. Okay, you're asking me to give a week of my time to come to your church, and this isn't important enough for you to give me a call and politely ask if this would be a good thing. Now, I get over that. Excuse me, I shared my carnality, okay? I get over that. But doesn't our level of communication state what is the most important? And if I am giving the gospel message to someone, don't I need to, as much as possible, give body language or give voice inflection? If this message is important, I need to put my best effort forward to communicate it. I could go to the back of the church next Sunday in one of those classrooms with a microphone and preach. I'd still communicate with you. Yeah, we would communicate. I wouldn't know if you're sleeping or awake. Maybe it don't matter. I wouldn't know whether you got it or you didn't. Maybe it don't matter. Sure, it matters. We're important to each other. We're a body of believers. And I think of times when there was miscommunication by one of those that I listed, and I asked the question, should have I chosen a different means to communicate? Or wasn't the communication even important at all? This age of communication is missing true relationships. People are lonely. Think about that in our communication with others, and especially as we share the gospel message. Are we building deep relationships? Or are they superficial relationships? I think it merits our consideration. One of the most important skills in life is to learn to communicate well. And it's a lifelong thing. Trying to communicate in a way that people know who the real you is. 
And the message is so important. We must do our best to communicate it at the level it needs to be communicated. I'm convinced in all of our paraphernalia in our world today for communication, there's none that can take the place of personal communication skills. Setting with someone, looking them in the eye, showing them you care, the touch, the verbal communication is one thing, the body language is another, the touch another. We can't do it in person. A phone call means something different than the text, even though the text has its place. Let us be communicators that care about what we communicate or else be quiet. Let's kneel for prayer. God, I thank you for Jesus and how well he communicated to his disciples and those in his realm at that time. Thank you for your word that communicates truth, and we want to share that with those around us. Thank you for this congregation and the, the body that we are, the feeling that we have of being together in many ways. Help us to think about our communication with each other and when it needs more than something lower on the scale. Thank you, God, for your love and your patience with us. We want to be good reflectors of your love to a world that's lost and dying. Bless our week. May it be profitable for the building of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.